Yes, Amen. and that does it doesn't say doesn't say a pretty noise. It says joyful, right? <laughs> so we're thankful for that, aren't we? Alright, so let's go to the Lord and uh, prayer of intercession and supplication here. Lord, we are a needy people. We have much to lay before you. As our concerns are great and many. But we know that there's nothing that was out of balance for you. We know that you know each of these things. We know that you understand each of these things in ways that we can never understand. So we bring before you our troubles, our cries, our tears, our needs, so that we may see your hand at work and be blessed by a God who hears and knows all things. Lord, first of all, we bring to you Pastor Smith and Miss Penny. We pray for their health. We ask for your mercy there on them. He is a faithful servant to you, Lord. He works hard for you, Lord. He desires to build your kingdom. We ask that you bless him there. We do ask that you keep your hand over him as he is not only our pastor, a husband to Penny, a college teacher, but he's also been given the heavy duty responsibility of being the moderator of our presbytery at this time. And Lord, you know what's on the table before us. So Lord, we ask that you be with Pastor Smith, that you give him clarity and wisdom and uh, a, a heart to help these things through and make it so that all glory be done to you. Lord, we pray for Joseph and Dennis and Felson as Jimmy has brought them before you today. That they may find a job, that they find employment that brings joy to them that, and that in return brings joy to you. We pray for Felson's family at this time as they're still grieving the loss of a loved one. Lord, though you know what's best, it often leaves us here wanting answers, being in fear, and a deep thought about what's on the other side for us. Lord, while we, we know what you have in store for us, because your word tells us that we believe in you, that we have eternal life in you, and that we'll be eternally blessed by you. Lord, on this side, when these things happen, we need your comforting touch. We need your warm embrace. We need to know that you are God, and we need your blessing. So Lord, at this time, we pray that you give bountiful mercies and warmth. And may this all bring glory to yourself. And for those of Thelsa's family who do not know you, know that you are God. Know that you are their only Savior. May this be done at this time. Lord, we pray for the, the Franklins. We pray for Dionysius grades and 
she quits her work and then even to the point to where she gets a, 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 a good mark on the incentive charts that she shows others around her that an education is a good thing to seek, especially an education that brings honor and glory to you. We pray for Cornelius as he's a new father. Lord, may he know you. May he be a, a, a father who cherishes his child. And, uh, may the whole community see from him what a good father is. May he be in your image. And may through that all see that you are the ultimate father. Lord, we pray for uh, the Franklin family as a whole. We ask that you keep them well, healthy. Uh, Lord, Caden has asked that you work in his heart. But Lord, that's a prayer that we all must pray. Amen. That like Dayon brought before us earlier, that the Holy Spirit works in him and brings us patience, brings him patience, that we all need to bring those things. And that we all be a blessing to all those around us, even those who are enemies. Lord, we also pray for his friend, Aja Houston, that she be brought to salvation. We pray for uh, Hannah's friend, Lily Roberts, that their family be saved. We also pray for her foot, as it's been bothering her lately. Also, Lord, she's had headaches here and there. We don't know where they come from, but you do, Lord. You know what causes these things. So we ask that you heal her, provide her mother and I a way to understand what's going on and bring her help. Lord, we pray for Stacy's son, DJ. As he has a court appearance tomorrow, Lord, please bring your hand over this. Bring justice as it's due. Be a blessing to Stacy and his family at this time. But we also ask that you be with Stacy as he continues to suffer health issues. Put your hand over him, Lord. Also, in the matter of his uh, uh, insurance that he needs, Lord, we ask that you put your hand there. We thank you for Kim's employment, this this uh, this new job that she has. We look forward to hearing the blessings that you've given her through that. Lord, we pray for Avery and his foot as he's injured it. We also uh, bring to you the prayer of a son for his mother, Brandy, as her health be returned as she is healed and ready to get up and work in your world and be a blessing, Lord. We pray for Adrian that her and Bruce find a home. We pray for Adrian's health that uh, her uh, sugar be kept under control in the way that you see fit. We pray for her sister Diantha as she's having surgery this week that you keep your hand there, Lord. And over the doctor's hand so that they repair this and that she suffers no more. Pray for Michelle Haig's son, Chris, as he searches for a home. We pray for Dennis and Brandy that they find a home. Lord, we thank you for the Sawyer's getting new foods and drink. And Lord, we ask you to continue to open that door. Lord, we also ask that you give him peace and patience and trust and the willingness to listen and know that many are on his side and only want to guide him and keep him close. 
because they love him. Lord, we do pray for Nancy that as she goes into this week that she give be given clarity and endurance. Lord, the, the work at her job just keeps piling up and uh, things keep, keep stacking up to where it seems like there's no end. We pray that she be brought good, faithful, loyal employees that once you finish the job, that know the blessing of a job like that. And that, that all the employees be a blessing to Trenton so that Trenton may be a blessing to you. And Lord, we do thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers, that you're a God who does not leave us in the dust, but you're a God who lifts us up, and that you're a God who comes just to understanding and trust and faith in you. So maybe all these things that are brought before you today be put under your hand, and that we can turn and say, Praise be to God for his will has been done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Yes. You forgot my phone Miyoshi, I am sorry. Thank you so much. I think I had you in the middle of the list and my eyes get blurry sometimes. Let's let's pray for Miyoshi and her family. Sorry, Miyoshi. Thank you. You won't pray in there? What's coming? You hang on. Oh, Larry Kerr, yes. And then Bill Clinton, you know, he's, uh, he's almost out of the uh, picture. Oh, is that right? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, the president, uh-huh. Bill Clinton, he's in the hospital. All right, we'll pray for him for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you, Miyoshi. Lord, we come to you again as I forgot Miyoshi. So, Lord, we bring her before you, and we ask that you... Uh, be with her as she has many health ailments. We ask that you heal her, keep her well, keep her safe. Lord, we also pray for our brother Larry Kerr as he's uh, fighting a very, very deadly disease. That uh, we ask that you heal him, Lord. We do not find vanity in asking for miracles from you. Lord, we also bring speaking of praying for our enemies before you Bill Clinton Lord that you bring him salvation that in these last days of his life or years or months or whatever it is just planned for him Lord we do not know but you know only those secret things belong to you that he come to know you that he be restored that he be brought into the image of your son And then the glory may be brought to you through this. Praise be to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let us open up to page 970 in your pew Bibles. We'll be looking at Isaiah 38 today, the entire chapter. Uh, I do not plan on un- trying to unfold everything in that chapter, but some main headings. And... Uh, I did cover this a year ago. I, I, I have to admit that. As I said, things were put together uh, pretty quickly this morning. But I went through it and prayed over it and changed a few things. So it's not the exact same message. Uh, but also, I want you to know that 
this was written at the time that people were still worried about the coronavirus, uh, and we, we didn't know what was really going on there yet, and we had many fears uh, about this. But it doesn't just have to be that. It can be all these things. Uh, loss of a family member. Uh, uh, you know, a home, trying to find a home. Uh, you know, need, having surgery. Uh, I was even nervous on my flight the other day and was praying for God's sovereignty in that. So there, this applies to all areas. You, you may hear me mention uh, a virus or something like that, but that's what this goes back to. So uh, as we begin to look into Isaiah 38 today, I want to tell you just a little bit of background about uh, what was going on here in Isaiah chapter 38. And so you should be on page 970 of your pew Bible. Uh, if that's what you're looking through today. But so the year that this is happening is about 671 BC. And actually Judea, uh, the southern portion there of the kingdom in the Old Testament, is actually on an upswing. Things are going well. Uh, it's actually the time before the Babylonian exile. And we see, uh, but and this is this lull period that for the last 76 years, Assyria has been attacking Jerusalem in a war. And uh, then the angel of the Lord was sent and killed about 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in their camp. They ended up ending the war. And this drove the king of the Assyrians, Sennacherib, to go back to Nineveh, where he was killed by his two sons while he was there in the temple worshiping a pagan god. And yes, that's the same Nineveh that Jonah was sent to uh, preach and proclaim the word to. So here in Judah we have King Hezekiah. And Israel had seen a lot of good things under Hezekiah. As I said, there was a, a, a blessing by God at this time. The war had ended as before the exile. Uh, Hezekiah has been busy at work building all kinds of good stuff, and the Lord is really putting his hand into this place. But however, at this time, in verse 38, Hezekiah gets some bad news straight from God through Isaiah the prophet, and it brings the king to his knees. And some scholars, just to kind of keep in mind what they think may have been going on, even though we're seeing this progress in, uh, in uh, Judea at this time, that there was, could have been a plague going around as well, and Hezekiah may have been the victim of this plague at this point. So while keeping that in mind, let's turn to the Word of God and let's read what the Lord has presented to us here in this chapter. So uh, page 970 of your pew Bible, chapter 38, we'll be reading the entire chapter today. Let us hear the Word of God. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for ye shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. And this is a sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. 
Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go down to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the reminder of many my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom, from day until night. You make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion. So he speaks, so he breaks all my bones from day until night. You make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fell from looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and all these things is the life of my spirit. So you restore me, and it makes me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. And but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you. As I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. To you. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. And Hezekiah had said, What is the sign? that I shall go up to the house of the Lord. Thus ends the reading of God's word. As we look into the word of God from today, I pray that God will reveal comfort to us. Because here in this passage, we have three comforting truths that God has given to us in his dealings with King Hezekiah. The first comforting truth is that God is sovereign over all creation. The second is that God hears the prayers of those who love him. And the third is that God is merciful to his children. So, if God is sovereign, all crea- sovereign over all creation, how is God Sovereign, that is in control over creation. We find our answer in Colossians 1, 16 through 17. It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. 
whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. That is, that God is the creator of all things, therefore there's nothing that He doesn't understand because it, didn't, it started in Him and it came out because of Him. It exists because of Him and His action and His words. There's nothing in this world that His hand was not on and is not on. So we see here unfolding in Isaiah chapter 38 five ways that God is sovereign over His creation. And the first way we see God's sovereignty is over time. There is something that the time is something that we humans cannot see except for the sun coming up and going down, the seasons passing by, or even a hand ticking on the clock. Yet, as God in His sovereignty has set time out before Him that He may take place in it and do whatever He wills in any part of it. There's nothing that bounds God in time. So we see that God reveals the sorrow of time by telling Hezekiah what's coming in verse 1. He says, you shall die and not live. You see, God is not reacting here to things that it's just, it's just going to happen. It's not like he's, he's opened up a door and said, oh, that's coming, I better tell Hezekiah about it. No, no, no. God is not seeing the future. He's creating the future. See, this is God revealing His plan to Hezekiah. It's an act of mercy. Notice He tells him, Hey, you're going to die. Get your house in order. Think of how what a blessing that would be to us. You're going to die. You need to make sure you, you tell your wife all of your insurance and all that stuff so that she can pay for your funeral and she doesn't leave you out to the crows. Etc. Etc. So, but notice here that this is a common thing with God that He reveals that He under that He knows what's going to happen because He is set forth. Think of Genesis 21, uh, 2. It says, "For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set of time which God had spoken to him." Who set the time? God. How is God's hand over this? And why did this occur? Why was this important? Because through Isaac, the covenant promise was coming. This is the line that Jesus would come from. When, when God promised Abraham that he would have descendants as many as the stars as he could see in the sky, that the whole purpose of this was to bring the Messiah. God's hand set forth when Isaac would be born time so that in the future, the son would come. Actually, that was Jesus himself telling Abraham that. Jesus was telling uh, Abraham, I'm sending you a son so that one day I will come. We also see in this verse that God is not only a sovereign over time, but he's also sovereign over over those of us who are his image bearers, that is man itself. A king, Hezekiah, has to appeal to God. 
A man who wears a crown, and as a man in the image of God, he is the crown of God's creation, must go before his God in all things. You see, although Hezekiah is the ultimate authority in the land, he is left appealing to Almighty God for deliverance. In verse 14, look, he cries out to God and he says, Undertake for me. That is, be my surety. In other words, you are my foundation, God. You are my, you, you are my rock. You are my stone. I have nowhere else to turn in this man but to you. You see, he himself must appeal to the throne of grace in his despair, for there's nowhere else for even a king to turn. Think today as Miyoshi has brought Bill Clinton before us, a president of the United States. Who else does he have to turn to at this time? In his death, in his time coming to an end, in his future? God. And see, as we look at this and we think about it, think about God's sovereignty and all this. We see things unfolding for us today that we don't ourselves have control. Some of these things worry us. Some of these things make us fear. But yet, all of this is within God's control. There's nothing out there that's surprising Him. He, he's there in it already. As we see God work with time here, as we see God appealing to man, a creation of His, we see God working in sovereign ways and over other parts of nature. We see in verse 8, it says, Notice that though the light wave had traveled million mi a million miles or more, who knows how much, to reach that sundial, He can still bend it and shape it to move the shadow. Who else can hold on and bend light by His hand but God? Light is measured in tiny particles that we call photons. And if God can hold on to a photon, why would we doubt his control over anything like a virus, like our hurt foot, like a flight, like getting a home, or any of those other things? Why would we not trust him there? Think about how small a photon is. Have you ever seen one? Have you ever seen one? I've never seen one. Remember what we read. Just a moment ago in Colossians, is that he is the creator of all things seen and unseen. Notice that we also see God here, that he is sovereign over the curse. We go back to Genesis 3, the fall, Genesis 2, 1 to 3, where he promises a son. We see here that Hezekiah, as a king, as all these years later, is feeling the effect of that curse. That, his, that he sees that he is sick and his time is coming to an end. And that he does what? He appeals to his Savior. We see in Hezekiah's poem in verses 10 through 19, then verse 12, that he knows that it's God that cuts off him from the loom of life. As God spins the thread of time, He has worked in a certain place that Hezekiah's time will come to an end. But as God is that, that time spinner, He knows that God can either end Him where He said He was going to or change things. In verse 13, we also see that it is God that breaks our bones all day long. As you and I live every day, our bodies start to fail us. From the time we are starting to be formed in the womb, we start dying. 
this, the curse is real. The curse still affects. Just think about what we just mentioned a minute ago in all our prayers. The curse is real. Our bones break all the day. And like in First Peter chapter 1, verse 24, we are fading away like a flower. We also see, as we said, that God controls the lifespan of man, the king. And in verse 4, we notice that he says that the lifespan has been taken. As Kai says, that the lifespan has been taken. He's indicating a force that he himself, the king, can do nothing about. He's appealing to God, who is a strong man. But then, as we look at this, we see that God is sovereign over his own grace. If we look in Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, it's on page 121. If you go there in your pew Bibles, I'm not going to spend too much time there, but I want you to hear this. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, in your pew Bible, reads, Then he, that is God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim, proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You see, God chooses whom He's going to be merciful to. He will give compassion to whom He will give compassion. He will give mercy to whom He will give mercy. He is sovereign over His kindness. When we go back to Isaiah chapter 38, we look at verse 17. We see Hezekiah appeals to this, to God, and he says, But you have, the love, have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. Now think about that line for a minute. Here's Hezekiah on his deathbed. Here's Hezekiah feeling what may be the, the throes of a plague. Here's Hezekiah knowing that his days are numbered because God himself has told him. And he cries out to the Lord. He says, you deliver me from the pit of corruption. He says, he says that he knows that even if he has died, he dies here, that there's some way, somehow, God is not going to leave him in that state. That somehow, some way, that he's going to feel God's mercy. That he's not going to be in the land of the dead. And as we see later on, he says that you can be praised from a man of life. That it is this prayer, that it is life that blesses God, that praises God. And that he knows as a child of God that he is not going to be left in this place. Notice, he also says in this verse, You've cast all my sins behind your back. God chooses not to remember Hezekiah's sins and punish him for it. See, God's grace is his to do with. He will dispense of it how he sees fit, whether it be an adulterer king like David 
or a nervous woman desiring to touch the hem of the son's robe to be healed of blood ailment, his grace will be done, and nothing more, nothing less. And it is in his son that we see that all these things, all these sins are thrown behind his back because the son has paid the atonement for that. It's his son that has fulfilled this ability, his, this promise of redemption, this way to life, this way to not be left in the pit of death. Even in the Old Testament, it was the work of the Son to come that was going to bring this about. You see, our God's sovereignty over all things, and it should bring us comfort at this point. People can dance, praise, sing, cut themselves to bell, and the lightning will never come to bless them. But our Christ, no matter how wet the wood, will strike a fire for His children. Our God can reverse the curse and extend our days and bless us as we see with His grace shed on Isaiah, but pagan idols will no more do this than Pharaoh giving a straw brick just as what happened to King Sennacherib. Bent over worship for his idol. Who could keep Sennacherib's very own seed from ending his days right there in the temple? But yet the seed of Hezekiah, the seed of David... Not kill him, but bring him eternal life. So we see that God is sovereign. And the second truth that we have, this comforting truth, is that God hears the prayers of those who love him. Now, how do we know that Hezekiah loved God? First of all, Hezekiah hears the word of God and believes. Verse 1, thus says the Lord. He believes Isaiah speaks the word of God to him. And Hezekiah reacts in prayer to God, who he knows is in comfort of, in control of all things, and he does what? He First of all, he appeals to his own works. Look at verse 3. He says, Have I not done what is good in your sight? Now Hezekiah is not saying he's lived a perfect life. He's saying that as a king, he understood that God had a plan for the, his people and that he did what he believed God wanted him to do or knew what uh, God wanted to do, just have a part in this time of blessing to rebuild the nation. But see, he doesn't really trust in that completely because he knows that one who truly loves God thinks along the lines that Jesus gives us in John 14 and 15, which is, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, now Hezekiah, he knows he's a sinner. That's part of his prayer that he's been calling out, is that he's dying, that he knows that he's being broken all the day, uh, that he knows that he doesn't say ever that he doesn't deserve what's happening to him. He's just pleading. He says that uh, he... He that, that he knows that God has had this connection to him, that he's had this way with him, that he's had this his hand over his life, and he's asking it not to be taken in this way now. So what does the king do? He appeals to his faith. You see, even though Hezekiah had done many amazing things, he still points to the fact that he has walked before God in truth and with a loyal heart. Verse 3. Just like his father David, 
was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he sinned, but he was still a man after God's own heart. Hezekiah knows that those who have a heart for God, those who have that seed of faith planted them to have, to know that it's them, that, that they're in total control, that, the, that God is in complete control of them, that they are at his mercy, that he will give them ultimately mercy. You see, and Hezekiah, he's also, he, he had this heart for God, and he walked in God's many ways, and, and did not trust himself, and he appeals to his heart, and he knows that his own path was not worth really appealing to at the end of the day. That even all those things that he did did nothing for his salvation. So he says, Lord, my heart is for you. Think of that for ourselves. All the times that we say, you know, hey God, can't you can't you bless me today? I got up this morning, I said my prayers, I did my dishes, I folded my bed, I even smiled and said, hey, my neighbor, can't you do something for me today? No. What God does is looks at the heart that he has given you. Remember Proverbs 21.1, is he that steers a king's heart? Like a river. So, we ourselves have to have a heart like Hezekiah that though we, we don't trust in our works, we trust in what the work that God has done for us, the change that God has done for us, so that we may appeal to Him in our days, in our times of need, in trials, and ultimately in our eternity. There's one more way that we know that Hezekiah loved God. And it's God's statement to Hezekiah in verse 5 where he says to Hezekiah, the God of David, your father, God has reminded himself that Hezekiah is a covenant child, the seed of David. And I said, oh, it's the line of the Messiah. Hezekiah loved God because God loved him first. Look at 1 John 4, 19. I don't know um, what your page number is. Bible. This here. Exactly that. First John 4 19 reads that we and Hezekiah and David loved him, God, because he loved us first. Our heart to steer like a river. My God. It's because of God's covenant promise. He tells Isaiah, verse 4, Go tell Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your tears. See, not only does the child of God have ears to hear him, but by his grace, he has ears to hear us. Because God loved Hezekiah, he heard his prayers, and he heard Hezekiah's cries and he answered them which brings us to our third comforting truth that God is merciful to his children notice that God turns back time for Hezekiah how often we wish we could have that done for ourselves right but here God graciously gives a sign that Hezekiah had his days limp and extended for 15 years 
letting him know that by grace and the miracle of the sundial that his prayer has been heard. When God extends the life of Hezekiah, it is difficult not to think of the fifth commandment. Honor your mother and father, sorry, your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We may see this as an example that the Babylonian exile is even coming after Hezekiah's death. So let's ask a question here. Are we all not looking for a special sign like Hezekiah when it comes to our prayers? Haven't we all wondered if God has heard our prayers or our prayers getting hung up in the corner of a room and not reaching Him? Well, the truth is we all want a sign much like Hezekiah's sundial to comfort us. We're always looking for the supernatural way that seems out of the ordinary However, the truth is there are two supernatural signs revealed in this chapter and that all of God's children have the supernatural sign given to us. And that is a supernatural heart for truth. Amen. That those of us who desire to do God's will, to have a heart for Him, have already had prayers answered. See, talk about Proverbs 21 one earlier. It tells us that that desire, it comes from God. And as we are born, a curse to live with worldly wisdom, being an enemy to Him, He changes that. And if you desire His way, His word, and he will hear your prayers. See, as Christ is merciful and he brings peace, he hears our fears, our anxiety, and he answers swiftly. And just like he did for the disciples when they feared the storm and he rose to quiet it, he can do that for us in his sovereign time, in his sovereign way. But he's heard you. So, what can we gain from Hezekiah and his walk with God as we close out today? Well, there are four applications for us here. The first is that we live in a way that we know we are in the truth as covenant children, like Hezekiah. That so that we have confidence that our prayers are heard. Know that we are sinners and our works will never be good enough. So we must be grafted into Christ where all works are perfected. Love Him and keep His commandments. Pray in a way that is meant for God to be the object of your prayers. Notice that Hezekiah turned to the wall and prayed. He hid his face from man, but it could not be hid from God. His pleas were meant for God's ears alone. Go to the throne of grace and plead to Christ alone. Covenant children. For he will not turn you away when you seek his face. Thirdly, trust God's sovereignty for deliverance. All things are under the dominion of our sovereign God. If we ask for what's in his will, then there is no vanity in our prayer. Trust his hand and trust his love for us, his children. For in him there is no evil, 
and therefore gives better things than we who are evil do. And lastly, we must remember when God has delivered us from affliction to worship him. Look at Hezekiah's ending of the poem in verse 20. The Lord was ready. He was ready. He wanted to. He desired to. He was going to save him. Therefore, we will sing songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. And his question in verse 22, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? We must praise God when he answers our prayers. Perhaps this could all be summed up in Psalm 50, verse 15, which says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us examples of Scripture, of how you work among us, who are your children, that those of us whose hearts you have planted faith in, you do not believe us, that you stay with us, that you hear us, that your will is being done. Though we may not have something like a sundial be turned back in time, that because we have faith, that you get the heart that you've given us, we know that you hear us, that you've not left us alone. Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you for your blessings. And we thank you that you are ready to save us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's sing Psalm 23.